To tell us like Guillaume, Roman Emperor, Je m'appelle Jamie. And I'm Rob, <laughs> ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And I can tell you're excited about this one, Jamie. I am so excited. I, I've honestly never heard you so excited for an episode before in the two years we've been doing this. You actually remembered the emperor we're doing for a start. I've, I've been thinking of nothing else for the past three, three weeks. Yeah, because I delayed it, didn't I? Yeah, that's that's annoyed me slightly. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. Don't worry, Robert. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if this lives up to the hype, shall we? Yes, it will. <laughs> so, he's born in France when? <laughs> well, before we start... Oh, you're always putting it off. Yeah, I'm putting, Come it, on. I'm putting it off. Well, we're going to have a quick recap on what's going on, because it's been a while. And Duh, man! I've got my notes. Somebody with Athens. Agrippa gives in. Oh, it's Republic. Ah... <laughs> Tiberius two. Morning Germans Augustus dies. Oh Maurice is Augustus. Tiberius dies. There's morning. Okay, well let's do a bit more for we can. Okay. <laughs> Go on. The Lombards, remember, they've taken parts of northern and central Italy. Yes. They're trying to retake over because after was it Justinian? Justinian the Great's successful yeah. invasion. Yeah. It is never really strong. Yeah, the the Goths were weakened to the point that they couldn't fight back, but that just left room for the Lombards to sweep in at the end mm. and pick up the pieces. So large portions of Italy are, are lost. Yeah. So that's what's going on in Italy. The Avars, remember, they've become the biggest menace in the Danube area. I don't know how. Well, remember, they are actually very good at fighting. It's They lull people into a false sense of security. <laughs> And then it turns out that actually they, yeah. they know what they're doing with those bows and arrows. Look at my beautiful plumage. Watch me flap. Watch me flap. Stab, stab, stab. <laughs> yes, it's like that. It's quite yeah. vicious. They're like, you know, they see the birds of paradise in those uh, like Planet Earth documentaries with David yeah. Attenborough. It's a bit like that. Yeah. You think, wow, it's so beautiful. <gasps> yeah. Slits your throat. Exactly. So there's something to worry about in the Danube. That's what they are. Mm. And of course, there is then also the war with Persia, which we're going to need to know a little bit more about. Justinian had created a peace with the Persians, but that was broken by Justin II before he went mad. Yeah. Justin II had angered the Persians by refusing to pay the annual sum to keep the peace. Also, he chatted to the Turks, remember, about a possible alliance, which did not sit well with the Persian king of kings, a man named Cosro. Cosro. It's quite a cool name. So, the war did not start well for the Romans, despite sieging Persian-held Nisbis. Uh, they were unable to take it, though. The Persians pushed back and took Dara. Remember Nisbis and Dara, the two fortified mm, cities yes. that were right next to each other? Yeah. So uh, Dara was taken, leaving the two main fortresses between the two empires in Persian hands and leading to the invasion of Syria. News of this and the capture of possibly 300,000 citizens sent Justin II mad. <laughs> yeah, <it> did. <laughs> and Tiberius II takes over. Sophia. Justin's wife, remember, sends a letter to Cosro asking him to lay off a bit. Come on, be nice. He's got mad look. It's just not on. <laughs> they agree, though, don't they? Yes, they do. Cosro goes, yeah, fair enough. If you pay, we won't fight in Syria. 
<laughs> Sorry, you won't fight? No, no, not at all in Syria. So, so no fighting then? Nope. In Syria. <laughs> yeah, the, the fighting in Armenia took uh, carried on for yeah. some reason. That was fine. Uh, but in the Syria region, yeah, they, they'd lay off for a bit for yeah. a price. Tiberius II had been a general, but now took a back seat. And we're going to leave the recap here, because we're going to see Tiberius II's rule through the eyes of Maurice. Maurice! Yes, yes, you're very good. Born in France, in gay Paris, to a beautiful family, in a little square with a band playing an accordion, chewing baguettes. <laughs> you're just going full on. Any stereotype. Yeah, yep. okay. Here we go then. Maurice. Maurice! Right, his name was... Mauritius. That's not French. No, it's not. So you can cut that out right now. Uh, or Mauritius. Probably Mauritius. Mauritius. <laughs> Fine, you can call him Maurice. You look really yes. sad. Thank you. Yes. He was born in, it says Cappadocia in every book I read. But Is obviously, that southern or northern France? That, that's on the southern coast of France. Oh, We're wonderful. going to say that. Yes. Excellent. I mean, some people claim that it's, you know, modern-day Turkey. But what would they know? Well, what would they know? Idiot. This is in 539, during the reign of Justinian. Maurice's father has gone down in history as Paul. Paul? Paul. Probably Paulus. Or Peel. <laughs> Paul. Le Paul. So, yeah, his father can be Le Paul. And he had a mother. Oh. Which is nice. No name? No, we have no record on her, so you can choose this one. Bridget. Bridget? Yeah. Is that the most French-sounding people Bri- name Bridget. you can think of? <laughs> oui. Bridget. Bridget. Okay. Le Paul and Bridget were his father okay. and mother. He also had one brother and a couple of sisters. And that's it. That's all we know of the early life of Maurice. Okay. Do you want to add any detail yourself? Yeah, born in a very small square. Yeah. His dad was an accordion maker. Right, okay. His mother made and sold baguettes on the corner of the street. Nice, still fresh. Oh, still fresh. They bake fresh every morning. Nice. Steaming okay. baguette. Um, um, his his brother, um, well, his brother helped out in a local farm and sold oof at the local market eggs. Right, thank you. Yep. Yeah. And his sisters, um, well, helped with the baguettes, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he grew up in a, you know... In a, I'd say like an agrarian family, but with his, well, not really, because his dad well, maybe gets in a big city. Well, so, well, we think that dad actually was involved in politics. May even been quite high up. Well, he used that in his speeches. Oh, so he's he... his, his accordion playing. Nice, nice to brighten things up a bit. Yeah, through song. Yeah, yeah. Okay then, fair enough. Well, that's the early life of Maurice then. Nice. At some point, due to his father's high up position as an accordion maker, uh, <laughs> Maurice was given a job. As a notorious to the current Count of the Excubitors. Notarius. Yeah, notorious. Uh, is, is linked to the word notary. Someone who... Oh, writes things down. Yeah, did the admin. Uh, yes, he's... Scribe, yes. Yeah, a scribe to the Excubitors. That was essentially okay. his job. So at um, some point he must have travelled to Italy. Constantinople, yes. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, that's where he ended up. Yeah. Yeah, maybe word of his family's baguettes spread. And... Yes. Yeah, they went on tour. And yeah, we we don't know how. We have no details. He works for the Excubitor, the head of the Excubitors, Tiberius, who at this point is leaving the Excubitors. Ah, soon to be emperor. Exactly. He obviously impressed Tiberius when working for him, because once Tiberius was named Caesar, because the emperor had gone mad, Hmm. 
Maurice was promoted to Count of the Excubitors himself. Mm. So he, he wasn't a lowly scribe. This was a, uh, more likely a right-hand man kind of position. Ooh. Ooh. Now, as we saw his last time, Tiberius was popular and much easier with the cash than the previous rulers so his reign was going down well remember he he was raised to caesar and the plague just suddenly stopped yeah yeah and then he found, Miracle. found lots of cash and uh, handed it out and <laughs> yeah everyone loved him it mm. was brilliant but the persian war's going on and he needs to do something about it now tiberius had a capable general named justinian as we saw last time Justinian had caught the Persians on the run and managed to capture 24 war elephants, which he sent back to the emperor. Where would you put them? I don't know. Imagine if you're just there. Sat. <laughs> a messenger comes in. A message from these, sir. Oh, yes. A present, actually. Justinian sent, um... Well, best you come and see for yourself. Bloody <laughs> 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 hell. Put them in the back room. <laughs> yeah. I said, where would you put them? Just have to leave them outside the city, I suppose. Maybe in the garden. Make a mess of the lawn, though, wouldn't it? Got the hippodrome. You could put them in that. Yes. That's big. Reverberation, though. Could make them race. I don't races. Yeah. Or, or do what, um, was it Claud- Claudius did? Put them, do like, do, do, you could do, like, display, elephant displays. Come into pyramids. <laughs> did Claudius do that? I can't remember. He fought to kill a whale. I remember uh, yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, walking. was it Galba? Oh, it might be Galba, I yes. I seem to remember Galba trained elephants yes. on the boats no, over right. to England during yeah. Claudius's invasion. That might be why you're thinking of Claudius. Yeah. Anyway, Tiberius has 24 more elephants to look after now. So nice. <laughs> Some poor sod was chosen to look after them. <laughs> you there. Yes. What's your name? Jeff, you'll do. Here's a bucket and a spade. <laughs> Go and look after the elephants. <laughs> Justinian doing all right. He, he's winning against the Persians. He's taking their elephants. His victory against the Persians was a huge victory for Rome, making up for the invasion of Syria. Yeah. So Syria was a huge blow, but this made up for it. This made the war more of a stalemate. High ups in the Persian camp started muttering about their king of kings and their recent losses. They were not too happy. It also did not help that Cosro then apparently passed into law that no king in future should lead troops into battle. That's how bad that battle went. Wow. Cosro came away from it and went, right, that's it. It's <laughs> now a law. I'm not allowed to do that again. <laughs> that might not be true. We get this from a Roman source, so it's obviously no. quite biased. <laughs> but I'd like to think that was true. <laughs> Bloody hell, I'm not going out there again. <laughs> Sire, we must prepare for battle again once more. Oh, no, I, um, I, I can't. Why not? It, it's against the law. <laughs> My counsel says it's now against the law. Did I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, here's the here's the document. The ink's still wet, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it was a bad time for the Persians. Yeah. Celebrations for the Romans. Hey. However, news then came through to the capital of a Roman defeat and a major one. Perhaps thirty thousand men were lost. Wow. Justinian's shiny image was tarred, and the thought of forcing a peace dropped away. Again, more stalemate. And then disturbing news started to filter through to the capital. Just so we can pretend we're still talking about Maurice, let's pretend it's him hearing about this for the first time. Sacre bleu! Yeah. I cannot believe my ears! (laughs) Well, this was news that Roman troops were acting so badly that they were driving people to the Persian side. Uh, As in treating... what? Well, the Romans and the Persians are fighting pretty much... On the border, but either yeah. side of the border, right. in Persian land, in Roman land. 
and the civilians living in that area are having to put up with all these soldiers traipsing through their land. Hmm. Apparently, whilst the Romans were passing through, they weren't acting very well. They were misbehaving a bit, and the civilians were being turned to the Persian side, shall we say. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Treat treat the, treat the civilians the best, because they'll, they'll give you extra things. Well, do you want to hear apparently what they were up to? Oh, go on. Yeah. Let's go for a laugh. Here we go. Well, the story goes that the soldiers had invented a game. Oh, dear. <laughs> games. Roman games are never fun. <laughs> games are nice, aren't they? <laughs> Once they'd taken an area that was under Persian control, they'd go into a town or a village, and they'd pick up babies by the legs. Two at a time. Not two legs, two babies. Right. Yeah. And then they'd swing and they'd swing and they'd swing. And then they'd throw the babies in the air and they'd see if they could catch them before they hit the ground. Uh, where, where did this come from? What's the source of this information? Oh, before I tell you that, I've not actually finished. Oh. How do you think they caught them? Oh. How? On their spears. No! Yes, it was skewer a baby time, apparently. Oh, it's like baby kebab. Yeah, sort of one-two. Oh. There's also stories of killing monks and torturing nuns. Now, the baby story is unlikely to be true. Yeah. Throughout history, it is go-to propaganda for the other side to accuse your opponents of putting babies on spikes. Yeah, so it's probably clear propaganda there. Yeah, well, mm, is it... Completely propaganda, though. The idea of it happening systematically is unlikely. It's unlikely that all Roman soldiers are running around and putting babies on spikes. Is it likely it's like there's a one-off incident where some idiot did it and... Well, yeah, this is a reminder that these wars, like all wars that we've covered, were horrific for the civilians caught up in it. Yeah. It's so easy to forget that and just see it as things moving on a map. Was it Brad? You know, you always get that one unhinged soldier in an army who's just twitches and just enjoys killing a bit too much yeah he's yeah. called brad yeah shaved head massive scar yeah. obviously probably wasn't brought up very well doesn't talk much but we'll just you know play yeah quite quiet to begin with and then and then he walks into the tent with a baby on the spike yeah and then he realized that something's gone wrong probably it's probably a couple of brads oh dear yeah so as much as this probably isn't true that it was happening regularly awful things were definitely happening bad brad Bad Brad. Anyway, by this point, Tiberius too was starting to think that Justinian wasn't doing a good enough job anymore. So instead, he turned to his count of the excubitors. Maurice, I am here, monsieur. Monsieur. I can speak French. <laughs> I am French. Have a baguette. <laughs> From the French town of Cappadocia. Ah, <laughs> uh, petit Cappadocia. <laughs> You can smell the croissants in the morning. They fill the air with their scent. Yeah, he said as he walked into the room after he'd been uh, summoned by Tiberius. Everyone's just slightly suspicious. Maybe that perhaps he wasn't French. It's just a bit weird. Trying a bit too hard, because there's yeah. no such place as France yet. Yeah, yeah. A, Maurice wears France. B, what's with the stri- stripy T-shirt? What's the baguette? Why do you wear onions? And is that, is that a beret? What's this weird contraption with wheels you're riding around on? Seriously, Maurice, pay attention. <laughs> Because Maurice had a job to do. He was put in charge of the armies in the war with Persia. Now, as far as we can tell, Maurice had no experience in leading the armies whatsoever, but he was clearly trusted by Tiberius. 
Well, that's positive. Well, that okay. So we always say like you know people just get pushed forward in these positions like any form of like any form of training. They're just yeah. in their position. They're just trusted naturally. But you got to perhaps infer from this that he, there have been some battles that he's led that have gone well. It's not unreasonable to make that inference if you trust to lead an entire army. Well, yeah, it is suspicious. We just don't know. He's the Count of the Obscubitors, so he's obviously got some military experience in the sense that the Guard are military. Yeah. Uh, and who knows, maybe earlier in his life he was in the army, but we have no details on it. So, yeah, for all that we know, he's actually a military man and spent all his time in the army. Yeah. He could have just been someone that Tiberius trusted. Pulled his name out of a little pop with little lollipop sticks. Like, who should pick today? Ah, Maurice, you can be head of the army. Yeah. Maybe it was that. Yeah. We simply don't know. So Maurice and the current Praetorian prefect headed off together to the east to go and take over. Okay. Maurice first reorganised the army, making sure that he had the right men in the right places. That's a sign of a good leader. Yeah. Like, Organised before you get there. Or if mm. indeed he does. <laughs> Plus he had new ideas. He wanted this army to look slightly different. <laughs> yeah. New uniforms! <laughs> I think long socks. Ah, rouge! Rouge armour! Let's, let's gild the shields. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah, he, okay. he was like an ideas man. Flamboyant. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, whilst uh, Maurice was reorganising the army's uniform, the Persians played a dastardly trick. The Roman army in Armenia, so not where Maurice was, this right. is a separate army in Armenia who had been fighting the Persians. Well, the general there received a letter from a Persian general stating that they would meet on this day, at this time, at this place to do battle behind the bike sheds after play. <laughs> oh, that's tricky because he's going to say we'll be here, but they won't be or they'll invade beforehand. Well, maybe you should have been in charge of that army because much to the shock of the Romans, when they arrived at the battlefield, there was no one there. I like to think just one sign in the middle of a field that just went, ah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yes, because this was a dastardly trick. <gasps> the Persians had used the time to move south and invaded Roman land that was supposed to be covered by the Syrian peace deal. Sorry, if you get a letter say, from your enemy saying, be at this field facing this direction, <laughs> yes. all of you at this point, we promise we'll be there. Pinky promise. Do you think they were literally sneaking past the back of them? <laughs> 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 Tiptoeing past. Shh, shh, shh. Hold the armor <laughs> It's working, it's working. They're trying to read the sign. <laughs> Muffle the elephants. Muffle the elephants. <laughs> yeah, so that was a shame. <laughs> Persians snuck off, went south, invaded some Roman land. Uh, and this is land that was supposed to be off limits. So, Maurice yeah. swings into action. He's not going to take this line down. I know, monsieur. Realising that fighting the Persians head-on would only weaken everyone, he headed into Persian territory in the hopes of pulling the Persians back to defend their homes. Getting quite far, in fact. Some really? suggestion he gets as far as Tessaphon itself. Hmm. Now, it would appear that although Maurice had no actual experiences of warfare as far as we can tell, he must have spent some time in the past reading the correct books, because this works perfectly. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So he uses their own distraction to move in? Well, he to stop the Persians invading Roman land, he invades the Persian land and pulls the Persian troops back into Persia. So he's basically doing a battering ram motion. It's like, 
keep showing them back to stop them. Well, nipping behind them and then pulling them back almost. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I sound like an idiot now because you said it like three times. <laughs> it's fine. I'll edit that out. Honest. Oh, man. <laughs> Things were looking good once again in the war, but then a spanner was thrown into the works. <laughs> ah, socle bleu! Where did this contraption come from? Cosro dies. Ah, that is a victory for us. Well, no, because his successor, Hormidst. No? <laughs> uh, Hormidst was not one for peace talks. Ah, no. Yeah, he was a bit of a war hawk, was Hormidst. Uh, <laughs> it's a hard name to say. There's there's Zs and Ds together. So Hormidst, W-H-O-R-E. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. As we saw last time, Tiberius too was forced to pay off the Avar so we could keep up with the Persian War. Maurice carries on fighting and forms an alliance with the Saracen Ghassanids and their king, Alamondir. Alamondir? Yes. A fellow Frenchman! No, definitely not. No, oh. This is Al-Mundir. It's more sort of Middle Eastern. Yeah, it's more Arabian. That's where we are yeah. right now. Ooh. That's exactly right where we are right now. Because the Ghassanids, if you look on the map, which will be on our website, the Ghassanids are here. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's heading towards, like, Iraq and... Well, south of Iraq. Oh, that's yeah. um, west of Saudi Arabia, Jordan sort of area. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you're on the edge of the desert there. Arabia, as it was known back then, and kind of still is now. Yeah, now, I've not really mentioned the Ghassanis before. They have actually been around for a while. They've just not been important enough to enter yeah. the story. Uh, they were a Christian Arab kingdom to the southeast of the Roman Empire. They're a useful buffer state... They kept the Persians and the Persian vessels, the Lachmids, at bay. So the Lachmids are to the east, just below the Persian Empire. Yeah. And they could sweep into Egypt if it wasn't for the Ghassanids being in the way there. Yeah, so they, they are literally just like a, a wedge. Yeah, essentially. A door wedge. So anyway, the king of the Ghassanids, Al-Mandir, made an alliance with Maurice. Having the Ghassanids on board should have been really helpful, but after a period of heavy fighting... The Persians were getting the upper hand, and both Maurice and Almandir start blaming each other. Oh dear. Unfortunately, we have very few details here, but apparently they have a big falling out, and they start accusing each other of treason. <gasps> so, um, Almandir, I've been reaching around the back of my enemies and tugging them back, tugging the enemy so hard, and you come here and blame me. That is one way he could have expressed himself. I think so. Yeah, definitely. It, this ends with Maurice just having Almondir arrested for treason. Arresting the king? Yeah. Oh, okay. That did not go down well. No. They found a replacement king, but he was arrested shortly afterwards. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the alliance with the Ghassanids falls apart completely after this, just leaving this region in a bit more turmoil than it usually is, which is interesting. It is. Yes. Figured out what's going to happen down here quite soon. A bit of a war? No, bigger than that. Are they going to just release and then everything's going to flood in? No, bigger, wider history, what I'm thinking here. Oh, this is prior to the Muslim Exactly, the rise of Islam is not that far off. So that's Ah. why we're starting to pay a bit more attention to what's going on down there, because we're going to have to a lot quite soon. That's not quite yet, though. There's a little teaser for you. It's coming, though. Oh, yes. Anyway, obviously Maurice did not know this, so he didn't care. Uh, (laughs) 
So anyway, yeah, things weren't going well. The the Romans and the Ghassanids were blaming each other for failures uh, that had occurred. Yeah. A Persian general at this point wrote them an, another letter. The Persians love writing their letters to the mm. Romans. Now, this is after the, the Romans and the Ghassanids had tried to trap a Persian army, but mm. their manoeuvres weren't working properly. Right. They'd been chasing the Persian army around for quite a while. And then Maurice receives this letter. You are exhausted with fatigue of your march, don't trouble yourselves to advance against me. Rest a little, and I shall come to you. Ooh, that's <laughs> a veiled threat, isn't it? Oh, yes. Or a, or a flirting? I, oh, well, I don't I know. Can't. Maybe, maybe it was. <laughs> maybe the Persian general, general was genuinely concerned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you guys actually look quite dehydrated. It's important to drink regularly. We're yes. in the desert. We'll bring you water. Yeah. It's fine. Chill out. Yeah, th- this didn't go down very well, so things... Are not going great. I'm offended. It was around this time, however, that Maurice received word from the capital. He was wanted back in Constantinople. <gasps> Why? The emperor was dying. Mon ami, that means I'm the emperor. Well, not quite yet. Don't get ahead of yourself there, Maurice. Merde. Maurice made his way back and found Tiberius on his deathbed. At first there was talk of Maurice co-ruling with a man named Germanus, but that plan soon changed because everyone realised it was stupid. Yeah. It never, never works. Never ends well. So in the end, Maurice was married to Constantina, Tiberius's daughter, and then made heir. Shortly afterwards, Tiberius died, leaving Maurice in charge. Hmm. And there you go, just like that, he is emperor. Nice. We have to get some new drapes. <laughs> For the castle. It's not a castle, it's a palace, sir. It's a castle! <laughs> Look at the massive turrets! Don't question me, I'm the king. <laughs> Maurice, so far, had been focused on the east. Obviously, he was a general in the yeah. east. But now he had a whole empire to look after, so he looked around a bit. What, what's going on, then? First of all, the treasury. They wandered down to the treasury, they opened the door. I imagine big floor-to-ceiling massive doors. Yeah. Both of them opened at the same time. Big creak into the vault. They look. That's just one mouse sitting on a coin. <laughs> Little slip of paper. I owe you <laughs> yes. fifty billion. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it was disappointing. Turned out right that Tiberius was uh, a bit loose with the cash. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. All that cash he kept giving away to make people like him turned out that uh, that was coming from the treasury. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yes. So mm. he didn't find all that gold miraculously then. Just... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's not great. Now, paying off the Avars so they could focus on Persia was very expensive. And um, Maurice is going to have to think about what to do with that. However, he also learns that in Italy, the Lombards were looking more and more organised and Africa was constantly under threat of revolt. Mm. And the war was still in full swing with Persia. I mean, this is not looking good. The Danube's under threat, Italy and Africa are under threat, and the East is falling apart. I think you could describe his position as quite precarious. Yeah, this is arguably the worst starting position an emperor has had for quite some time. I think mm. you're going back into season one, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's not Jovian levels of bad starting yeah. positions. Yeah. Literally in the middle of a battlefield surrounded by the enemy in Persia. <laughs> Cursing Julian. What an idiot! <laughs> yes. But yeah. it, it's not far off. It's not okay. a great starting position. At least he's out of the battle area. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's he's got a lot to think about. 
But that does not mean that he's too busy thinking about these things, that he can't produce a son with his new wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Constantina. <laughs> that, that sounded more Spanish than French. <laughs> it's a Spanish name. Ah, my wife, let us jump to the bedroom. <laughs> let me show you why they call France a country of love. <laughs> Where's France? I'm not quite sure myself. We could find out together, no? Ah, my wife. <laughs> Do you have any French in you? No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not go there. Right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so they produce a son. Which sounds cold and clinical. I'm sure Maurice wasn't like that. Um, yeah, the son was called Theodosius, which is nice. He was born shortly afterwards. and At least nine months. Uh, probably at least nine months. Um, hopefully not much more. Uh, yes, he was... Uh, who's shown to the crowds in the Hippodrome. Many cheers were had. Aww. Lots of celebrations. This small good news, however, obviously did not change any of the problems. After initially refusing to pay off the Avars, Maurice soon realised that he had no choice. It's like, I, I just can't afford to fight the Avars. I have no spare soldiers, and if I don't pay them, they will come and just <laughs> ravage the Danube region. Send the coin! <laughs> And the mouse. <laughs> what about his notes, sir? That too. <laughs> it's all we have. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a shame, but the mouse had to go. So, finding just enough money to pay off the Avars, he once more turns to the east. Now, being the emperor, he followed recent procedure of not going and leading himself, yeah. but ruling from the capital, and he appointed a general. Ooh. This man would have been forgotten to history if it was not for one thing. He was named... Jonas Mastercon. Mastercon. That's or, an amazing name. Or it gets better. Yeah. Because Jonas Mastercon, translated, is John the Mustachioed. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes. Mustaches, it would appear, are back. Yes! Yes. Obviously not really popular, otherwise he wouldn't be known as the Mustachioed, but they're popular enough that some people have them. So when you're mentally picturing everyone when I'm talking, yeah. maybe about one in ten, slap a moustache on them. Oh, yeah. like proper 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is full on. But for John, you've got to imagine like a full on down to his chin. Oh, yeah, he's, he's perhaps further. Hand, big handlebar moustache for John the Mustachioed. 70s man that produces films for adults. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, just like that. So that, that that's John. I mean, Maurice obviously just looked around and was so impressed by the moustache. You there, <laughs> the one with the moustache. You can lead my armies. <laughs> that is some authority. <laughs> Apart from that, we really don't know much about him. You know, John was born in Thrace, and uh, he had a moustache. I mean, do we need to know more? I don't think that's so. It. I think he's, that's, that's good enough. He's outstanding. Yeah, OK. Uh, he didn't start well, however. But he'd fallen out with one of his captains who refused to follow his orders during battle. Uh, so they lost the battle. Ooh. And John lost his credibility. But his captain's fault. Well, he should have kept his captains under under order. So. Yeah, but if he, he can't... If they, they're, the other side of the battlefield, they refuse to follow an order. It's not your fault. Yeah, but you're the commander of the army, so ultimately the book stops with you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he lost his credibility. Yeah. I like to think he shaved his moustache off in shame. Or, or maybe half of it. Or just the ends, just the ends off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he was replaced... That's it. That's all we've got about John. Okay. Yeah, like I say, I don't think history books would ever bother mentioning him if it wasn't for his great name. So uh, he was replaced by Maurice's brother-in-law, a man named Philippicus. 
Though more fighting takes place between the Romans and the Persians, some talk of peace between the two empires happen, but always with conditions that the other side found insulting. So the talks <laughs> always broke down. Yeah. Only just occurred to me, I'm guessing in these peace talks they're still debating over who should have Valerian. Oh, still? Yeah. yeah. I've honestly lost track where he is right now, but let's say the Persians have him. Yeah. Yeah. Gilded up the nines. Yeah, Romans want him back. So yeah, more fighting takes place. Both sides take victories, both sides take losses, back and forth, back and forth. It's just getting a bit dull, really. Yeah. Yeah. However, things are starting to get difficult back home for Maurice. Realising that Italy and Africa were on their own, there was next to nothing he could do for them if they needed help. Some word came through, we're struggling here, could you send some troops? He had to reply, no. He's literally not got a spare man to give, oh. let alone armies. He's having to do skirmish raids in the, the Danube region. He has no troops for Italy or Africa. I have an idea. Send the elephant trainer with the elephants. Jeff! Yeah. Off you go. Well, apart from sending the elephants, he also restructured the way the provinces were run, creating two exarchates. The African one in Carthage, the Italian in Ravenna. These were run by exarchs who wielded absolute power in their regions, civilian and military. So you now had... Two mini-emperors. Yeah, essentially. Uh, they weren't referred to as emperors, but they're on their own. It's you rule that area for me, we'll get to you when we can. So mm. he points his exarchs and uh, off they go. Good news, bad news situation for those in those regions. Africa and Italy were now able to respond to threats much quicker. They weren't tied up in the bureaucracy of Constantinople. But this was an admission from the emperor that you're on your own. <laughs> I'll send Jeff with a few elephants, but that's all I can spare. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Send him away. They keep sending him back and forth between the two. <laughs> yes. Every time he arrives. Oh, I've, j I've just heard news. You're actually wanted in Carthage. Right, bye. Oh, okay. He's crossing the sea. It was a pain getting him in those boats. <laughs> Do you think he sort of towered them up? You'd have to. 24 elephants high, he's on the top. Yeah, it's getting quite good with it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's happening in Africa and Italy. Now on top of this, the Avars were not playing ball. They'd taken Sirmium before, and now we're using that as a base of operations to raid into Roman land. There's some evidence that Athens was sacked around this time, but it's not actually that clear. But if true, the raiding was deep. But due to lack of forces in the region, Maurice had to come up with an idea. He had no armies that he could fight the Avars with. Had no money to pay them off. Very tricky, isn't it? Oh, yes. So what's he do? He's got to hire people like... You know, no money. Army, just say, you know, fight for me, please. I'll pay <laughs> you later. If you win, you can take the spoils. Well, he skims off some troops. Really not many. This is not an army. Mm. This is some troops. A gathering. A few thousand. That is it. And he orders them to attack the Avars using guerrilla tactics. <gasps> Gorillas! Oh, yes. He brings in the guerrillas. If we can't fight them, then we must raid at night. We must destroy their supply trains. We must pop up out of nowhere, attack and retreat. And guerrillas are really strong, so you and wouldn't need many of them. are really strong, yeah. They're not good at hiding, though, which is a shame. Why just sit in a bush? Yeah. Eat a few bananas and just attack. That's what the Romans are now being forced to do in their own land oh, against the Avars. Hit-and-run tactics. It's embarrassing in a way, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's not great. It's really not. Now, obviously, th this could not continue for long. I mean, it just wasn't going to keep working. So Maurice had to find some money from somewhere. His only option was to reduce the rations of the soldiers in the Persian War by one quarter. I'm sure they'll love that. Oh, yes. 
(laughs) Well, Maurice wasn't an idiot. He knew that this was not going to go down well. So, he sent the very capable Priscus, who was popular with the men, to go and take over the army and then let them know (laughs) that this was about to happen. (laughs) Priscus has news. I want you to go and tell the army they have less rations. No more souffle, no more baguette, no more camembert. I'm sorry, what, sir? Off you go. What? (laughs) You want me to? There's so much of that I don't understand. (laughs) Just tell them they've got less food. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You've got to. Here's your bullseye. (laughs) Priscus heads off. He knows he's got a tough job ahead of him, but he's a capable man. I'm sure it can do well. Maurice has every confidence in him. However, as it happened, Philippicus, who was in charge at the moment... Oh, yeah. He's been enough. Yeah, so he's in charge of the troops. Uh, But he wasn't actually with the troops. He was heading back to Constantinople. So he heard rumour of this news before it reached his troops. He wrote to his number two, who was still stationed with the men, and told him to let the men know what was coming. And then also advised his number two to get out of there quite quickly. (laughs) Now, quite why Philippicus does this, don't really know. Maybe he was loyal to the men and quite annoyed by what was about to happen. Well, it's sort of, yeah, because he, he's, he's a soldier, isn't he? He's, been in, the soldier, he's yeah. been in the war the entire time. He's had a tough time, and now it's about to get a lot tougher. Yeah, and no also gets for him. he's being replaced as well, oh, oh, which he okay. won't have been pleased no. about. So maybe that's why he just wanted to stir up a bit of trouble. Anyway, Prescott finally arrives in the camp thinking, OK, this is going to be tough, but I'll, I'll ride in there, I'll establish some authority... <laughs> then I'll figure out a way of letting them know. Um, once they've got to know me a bit, it'll be fine. <laughs> he arrives at the camp. I'd like to think everyone's just stood staring at him. One person just bashed their bat against their open hand. <laughs> <laughs> One person doing the, uh, the slitting throat action slowly while staring at yeah. him. The one sharpening a blade. Shink. Yeah. Shink. <laughs> and a lot of them, apparently, just... Casually tossing off into the air a couple of stones. Ooh. Yes. Because Priscus did not get far. He was stoned. Dude! <laughs> Great news! <laughs> I'll tell you later. You've got less rations. But you're not going to care that much. Unless you get the munchies. You're going to get the munchies. <laughs> no any crisps. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, not great for him. I, he doesn't die. They don't stone him to death. He manages to escape with his life, but he oh. does have to run away. I, I imagine for the rest of his life he's got like a small pebble embedded in his skull. Yes. As a constant reminder. I think that that's not well, not in his skull, just sort no. of in his eye. Oh. It's just, just there. With a very rude phrase written on it. <laughs> yes, because they did that. Yes. Fortunately, though, most of it you can't see because it went into his socket. Oh. So now it just says, Uck, Priscus. <laughs> it's quite fortunate. <laughs> anyway, Maurice hears about this mutiny and recalled Priscus immediately and reappointed Philippicus. <laughs> Almost in a kind of, Oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it. Go go back to how it was before. It's fine. Don't, don't, don't rebel. We're in the middle of a war. But it was too late. The troops have decided that they wanted a man named Germanus to lead them. However, all of this fun, having a mutiny and stoning your generals and choosing a new general, all of that came to a very abrupt halt when someone spotted the Persians coming over the hill. (gasps) 
What's that coming over the hill? What's the Persians? Quick! <laughs> oh, we, oh, yeah, we're, we're actually at war, aren't we? Oh, I could die here. <laughs> right, okay. Um, Fight for the Emperor. No! Fight for... So we don't die? Yeah, that'll do. That, that'll do. Fight for whatever. I don't Grab care anymore. Grab your gilded shields <laughs> and your war baguettes. Well, yeah, forgetting about internal politics for now, the Romans start fighting the Persians once again, giving Maurice time to diplomatically smooth things over. Philippicus was managed to gain control of the army once more. Again, the war settled into a to-and-throw of victories with no obvious end. But then Maurice heard some fantastic news. Hormitst had sacked one of his generals. Not only that, he was said to have sent the general, a man named Baram, a dress. A, a dress? Yes, he sent Baram dress just to insult him oh okay you're a useless general you should wear a dress oh because you're so useless you're basically a woman yeah it's just some lovely misogyny yeah, oh, nice. yeah, yeah. Nice. That's, that's all it is now baron instead of taking his firing line down revolted now baron was far more popular than hormidst and hmm. soon had a large army heading for the persian capital the persian court panicked and decided the best thing that they could do was to kill their king of kings and replace him with his son, Cosro II, mm. who was around 20 at this time. So, Hormitst was killed. Okay. New king of kings, Cosro II, on mm. the throne. Do you think Baram did this result wearing the dress? As I like hope a, so, is it? Screw you! <laughs> I will wear this dress, but I will come and kill you. <laughs> The last thing you see will be me looking fabulous. <laughs> That's what he said. With it, with his with his printed yellow dress. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the peacocks and weep. <laughs> so yeah, with, with this overthrow in the capital, the Persian court hoped that this would be enough. That Baran would go. Okay, there's a new king. I will be a general under him. But it was not enough. No. Baran by this point had decided that he wanted to be king of kings. So Cosro, young Cosro, flees. Now, put yourself in Cosro's shoes. You're 20. You've had everything you've ever wanted all your life because your father was the king of kings. And all of a sudden you're thrown out of your palace. Mm. Some of the army are still with you, but they're not literally with you. They're, they're with you in spirit. Not much use right now. <laughs> yes. However, Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> there is a large portion of the army, however, who are not with you. They're not with you. No. Metaphorically. However... They are almost with you physically. <laughs> so, what do you do? Well, if I was him, I'd say, well, let's let's just see how friendly the Romans are because I want to live. I don't want to I don't really want to die because dying is not fun. So, I'm gonna head to the Romans and I'll trade them. I can give you secrets. I can tell you things. I can give you things. You want money? I can give you money. I'm a prince. I'm, I don't have it on me right now. No. I can write you a check or show you where the money is. <laughs> Follow me. That's what I would do. I'm a coward. Yeah, you got it spot on. Well done. No, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. He's a coward like me. <laughs> well done, Cosro the second. Maurice was probably shocked, therefore, but delighted to receive a letter shortly afterwards stating that the King of Kings himself was in his land begging for help. Ah, he comes calling back. Or not back, but to us. <laughs> General calling. I like it. <laughs> it is amusing to me. <laughs> Let him call some more. Well, Maurice had a decision to make. So again, what would you do? Option A. Support Barham. Maurice has Cosro in his grasp. He could simply hand him over and he could ask for 
probably pretty much anything for him, including the end of the war. Or, option two, support Cosro and fight Baram to put Cosro back on the throne. And for Cosro to be in his debt, which could cause problems in the future, because they can say, oh, you didn't help me. Nah. Oh, that's tricky. It's tricky. But you've got a decision to make what you're going to do. It would be easier to kill Cosro. So I would say, you know, Cosro will come crawling into the palace. Maurice is there and go, ah, Cosro, smell my cheese. And like cuts his head off. <laughs> that could happen. This was the advice, apart from possibly the cheese part, that most of, um, that most of Maurice's advisors were giving him. We've got a bargaining chip here. We could end the war tomorrow. Mm. Do it. You could save all these lives. Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing that's not what happens. Well, no. Because Maurice has a different plan. He figures Baram was a soldier who would gain popularity by fighting the Romans. He was illegitimate and would have to do a lot to secure his power. So he's an unstable leader at the moment. He's, he will be an unstable leader, and the only way he knows to gain legitimacy is to fight Romans. Yes, ah. they could ask for a peace, but how long is that peace going to last before Baram is back on his warpath again? Or, Cosro was young, and he'd be very grateful to a Roman emperor who placed him back on the throne of Persia. Moldable. Exactly. A genuine peace could follow this. If they get rid of Baram together, Cosro's on the throne, then that's genuine peace. That is the end of yeah. the war. Yes, there's a bit more work to do to get there, yeah. but that is the better outcome. So instead of saying, smell my cheese, is the last minute thing. It's kind of, ah, come and smell my cheese. Yeah, yeah. And smell this one. <laughs> smell out the cheese. There's a camembert. It's a brie. It's a stilton. It's British, but it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cosmo suggested that he come and visit Constantinople and Maurice, perhaps to sample the cheese. Uh, Maurice... <laughs> Maurice went, no, 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 you don't need to come to Constantinople. No, no, that's fine. Just stay where you are. Obviously thinking, right, I'm going to support you, but I don't want this to be obvious what I'm doing to begin with, because if this goes wrong, I want options. Oh, no. Because of the ties. Yeah, so he, he says, no, let's keep this on the down low. Let's go and get your kingdom back, but we, we don't need to make a fuss about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a huge amount of detail, but we do know that the combined Roman forces and those loyal to the Persian king were soon able to defeat the usurping baron. Mm. They are victorious. Ooh. And just like that, the war was over. This has been Justin, Tiberius, and now Maurice, who have been fighting this war. And it's over. Oh. Job done. Not only that, Persia gives back Dara. Oh. Hugely important fortress. And several other towns and fortifications go back to Roman hand, including huge swathes of land that they thought they'd lost. In fact, land that used to belong to the Persians comes this way. Oh, and those payments that Rome used to have to pay just to keep the peace, completely cancelled. Well, in war, they wouldn't still keep paying, would they? No, beforehand, remember oh, okay. the Romans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They weren't doing it during war, <laughs> somewhat reluctantly. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> Yeah, so not only had the war ended, but the Romans had won. And that's not necessarily through fighting, it's through political wrangling, oh, yes. which in a way is far more impressive. It's even better than winning just through fighting, because yeah. the cherry on the cake, in fact, the cherry on the cake is more important than the cake. They have a Persian king of kings on the throne who is indebted to Rome. Now that's useful. So all in all, not a bad end to the war. And you got you got a willing 
loser. Propaganda was easy to spin, of course. This yeah. was a, this is a victory <laughs> for both sides. But you can imagine when the two, the king and the emperor met, shook hands, bows, and Maurice just whispering in his ear, I still won. On <laughs> 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 you. <laughs> Smell my cheese. <laughs> so, Maurice suddenly finds himself with all of these armies that were no longer held up in the east. I'd like to think that he was in his throne room, staring at the east. News comes through with the final peace deal being made, and then he just turns to the western window and narrows his eyes. I am coming for you. <laughs> because the Avars are now in his sights. You winged little creatures. <laughs> I will take you down. He had becoming increasingly desperate in his attempts to paying off the Avars. At one point, this is true, I'm not making this up. At one point, he even sends an elephant as payment, hoping the Avars will accept an elephant in place of gold. Wow. <laughs> yes. So he obviously didn't send all the your elephants off of Jeff. He's still got one to give to the Avars. Who is now got 23. <laughs> yeah. Well, may maybe Jeff just happens to be back at this point, swinging by in his endless cycle yeah, yeah. <laughs> between the cities. So, oh, God, he's back. Right, go go to the Avars, actually. Yeah, no, take take the elephants. Go to the Avars, see if they want give them an one. elephant. If they get a bit finicky, give them two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but don't say that until they're really annoyed. Yeah, don't don't let them know you've got two elephants. Keep one hidden, because <laughs> you've got to be able to bargain. How do you be sure? I don't know, Jeff. You can sort out the minutiae. You just... <laughs> so, yeah, um, the, the A-bars apparently had just refused the gift of the elephant. They saw it as insulting. Well, they would. I don't know. It's an <laughs> elephant. Come on. Yeah, but you've got to, you've got to think about the... the like, it's great, you've got a free elephant, but then you've got to feed it, you've got to keep it fit and healthy. It's an elephant. But you've got to walk it, where are you going to put it? You see, this is probably the meeting the Avars had after yeah. Jeff had met with them. There's some going, yeah, it's an <laughs> elephant. I want an elephant. And some of them just being really practical. <laughs> so you'll just get bored of it. I know you will. It looks you'll, cool. You'll get bored of it. No, it looks no. cool. If, if you stop looking, I'm not going to look after it if you stop looking after it. I promise I'll clean it out. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, so yeah, the Avars had just gone on full-on raiding by this point. Yeah. They were ravishing uh, the, the countryside, along with the Slavs. I shouldn't forget the Slavs. Uh, they're doing the same. They're just not not as interesting to talk about because I don't imagine them wearing bird costumes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the things weren't going well in the Danube. No. Oh, but it was time for payback. Oh, yeah. What few men he had in the Danube region could now be reinforced. Maurice, clearly eager to sort this out, announced that he would lead the troops himself. Oh. The Patriarch, the Senate, his family, strangers in the street, were all stopping him and telling him this is a bad idea. <laughs> You're not a soldier. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, he is, remember. He was a general, a successful one. That's true. Uh, but he's now the Emperor. So it's not your job anymore. You're the Emperor. No, and you should really be waving a sword around, not a baguette, sir. <laughs> Well, Maurice refused to listen and set off with his army. And some nunchucks. Yes. Well, a string of onions. Essentially the same thing. However, he was not far out the gates when news reached him of the arrival of a Persian envoy in the capital. Realising that he had other duties, Maurice reluctantly turned back, leaving Priscus in charge. At least that's the story that's always given. In the various places I looked, it was Maurice reluctantly turns back. I can't help but wonder if it was a case of he left, travelled for a few days, and then, oh, what's that? 
I've got to be back in the capital. Is that a messenger I can see? <laughs> ah, Socle Bleu. Well, Nepro's job is never done. <laughs> you guys carry on without me. <laughs> I wish I could stay. Mwah, mwah. Damn these political duties. <laughs> oh, these meetings. <laughs> I promise they will be minuted. <laughs> and literally runs out the room. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Good luck. This is just going, did his accent drop a bit nearly? <laughs> I don't think he's French. But the baguettes. I don't know where France is. What's a France? <laughs> yeah. So, while his army was attempting to track down and defeat the Avars and the Slavs in the region, Maurice had political worries to, to think yeah. about. Yes, it had started a few years previously, actually, when the Patriarch of Constantinople had given himself a new title. Ooh. He'd obviously woken up one day, looked at himself in the mirror and went, you know what, John? His name was John. Yeah. You deserve something for yourself. Ooh. Treat yourself today, John. You've earned it. Be good to yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he clicked his fingers, gave himself a point and said, from now on, you'll be known as the Ecumenical Father. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put on his sunglasses, strode, he did, strode into the middle of oh. the Hajj Sophia, and he gave the best damn sermon of his life. Yeah. He's full of confidence now. Oh, he is. He's got his new title, Ecumenical Father, which means Universal Father, which means he is the father of the universe, which means he is the highest up Christian bishop in the world. Like a bit popey. A bit more than popey. Ooh, what did the Pope think about that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Word of this reached Pope Pelagius in Rome. Pope Pelagius? Yes. Who I'm hoping was drinking some wine at the time whilst he was reading this letter, <laughs> and then spluttered his wine all over the letter. <laughs> what? 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 He said, what? How dare he? He said he owed it to himself, sire. Yeah. Pelagius, not best pleased, but equally, he, as far as I could tell, wasn't much of a doer. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll sort itself out. I mean, I don't ask how I drink my wine. Yeah, exactly. That's for another. <laughs> I have no idea if he was like that, but... Uh, oh, he was. We'll just have to wait till Pontifax get to him in about 60-odd yeah. episodes time. That's fine. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, yeah, he died not long afterwards. Cirrhosis <laughs> the liver. Yes, probably. <laughs> and another man became Pope. This man, picture it now... Everyone's around Pelagius' funeral. They're looking for a new pope. Doors swing open. Dry ice. Strobe lights. Because this, this, is Gregory the Great. One of the biggest names in popedom. It's I'm Gregory! That's what I ever said whenever you walked into the room. <laughs> yes. Some people are a bit confused. Yeah. Other people are cheering and loving it. Oh, they, they did. They loved it. Uh, we don't have time to go into why Gregory was great. Uh, he was the 64th Pope, however. A little factoid okay. for you there. Um, a couple of small things. He was responsible for the first missions to convert the Anglo-Saxons in England to Christianity. Convert the heathens! I'm Gregory! And he also established... <laughs> linking to what you're doing there. He established... The Gregorian chant. Okay, guys, it goes like this. <laughs> I'm Gregory! Yeah. <laughs> so, all, all those sinister horror films you hear would be a Gregorian <gasps> chanting in the background while some vicious murder's happening. Yeah, it's all, all, 
It's all good. Good quietly in the background, but it's there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is he the Gregorian calendar guy? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I did think to check and I completely forgot, but it didn't mention it. No, it's in later the... now. He's like, like yeah. 1700s, isn't he? Yeah, but, yeah no, it's or a different 1600s. Gregory. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, why not? Let's just say it is until we're corrected. Maybe he, he created it, then it got lost, then it found again by the next Gregory. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the thing Gregory's did. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> Gregory, he's a big deal in the Popes. Yeah. And he became Pope, and he saw this letter about John in Constantinople, claiming he was the best thing to Christianity since sliced bread, and he was not amused. He wrote to Maurice a very polite letter expressing his concerns. However, just in case this did not work, he also wrote to someone else who was very important, Maurice's wife. Ooh. Yes. If you want to get an emperor to do something, first write to the emperor... And then write to his wife. His so angry Spanish wife. Can nag him. Yeah, so he didn't particularly mince words here. Gregory said, Whoever calls himself the universal bishop or desires this title is, by his pride, the precursor to the Antichrist. Satan himself. Which is a bit rich. I mean, let's face it, this is Gregory getting in a hump because someone's claiming to be better than him and he's claiming that that's just pride. But on the grey, it says in my night title. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Maurice was having none of this, however. He sided with John. He, he didn't like this Gregory chap who yeah. was full of himself. So he sided with his patriarch. And this starts a rupture between the East and the West. Remember, relations have got a bit better recently Ooh. in the church. But, uh... This this is the start of a split. Things are a bit tense. And that's all we're going to say for, for now, but we're going to see this split grow in later episodes. Anyway, meanwhile, the public were not getting on with their emperor. Oh. No. Tiberius, remember, he was popular. Yeah. They loved him. He gave the money he'd found under tiles. He put on games. And here it was boring Maurice, always saying things like, no, we can't do that, we have no money. No, we can't have those games. We have no money. I mean, was he even checking under the tiles? But apparently not. No, no. Doesn't he know how this works? It did not help his image that he refused to pay the ransom for 12,000 men who were captured by the Avars. So they were all slaughtered. What? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that did not go down well. Maurice did protest that these 12,000 men were captured because they deserted the army. We're struggling to pay for the army, so why should we get back a bunch of deserters? But that fell on deaf ears, either because people didn't care and used it as an excuse to hate Maurice, or because it was a blatant lie. We yeah. don't really know. That happened. Not great. And things on the front were not looking spectacularly good either. Priscus had had some success, but the Avars were still raiding and destroying huge areas. Did not help that huge sweeps of the plague had passed through at this time. Ah, oh, see, as soon as Tiberius two died, exactly, plague back. plague's back. Yeah. Although, as always, this weakened the Avars as much as the Romans. I mean, trouble on both sides. In fact, everyone was feeling the pain of trying to wage war through an attack of the plague, <laughs> and a peace treaty was formed. Nice. Maurice paid off the Avars to help it happen once more, however. More mutterings from the public. However, Maurice did not plan to let the Avars off the hook this easily. The payment was a ruse. Ooh. Defying the peace treaty, he sent his troops over the Danube into the Avars' homeland. Hit him where it hurts. Well, yeah, same strategy that he did against the Persians. We have no details 
which is a shame. But Priscus and the Romans do very well out of this, and the Avars suffer huge defeats. This is the kind of war that if we had details, this would be a really big famous war. Yeah. Where... The Romans do really well, but we just don't have no details. Lost into the mists of yeah, time. Yeah, so we just it gets brushed over a lot. But th- this is a big deal. They inflict huge losses on the Avars. Meanwhile, Maurice's brother, Peter, inflicted huge losses on the Slavs, who had also been causing trouble. So all of a sudden, things are looking very good. It got to the point, after quite a bit of fighting, that it was possible to say with a straight face that the Danube River was secure. I don't think you've ever said that. <laughs> in the four years we've been doing this, in the 23 years we've been doing this podcast, you've never been able to say that. I mean, it's been secure before, um, but yeah, this is the most secure it's been in a very long time. Wow. Yeah, very good. And then he made a mistake. Ah, oh, a big mistake. I've got to guess what it is. Yeah. He's either invading somewhere he doesn't want to go, or where he shouldn't. No. Or he still needs money, doesn't he? Yeah. So that's it. I can tell by your eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Either taxes for people, because they hate him more. Okay. Or he strips more from the army. But that'd be stupid. And that's the one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at his accounts, he decided that he could save more money by keeping the army out in the field over winter. It's cold. Well, not not just in the field, but across the Danube in the field. That's like a river. (laughs) Across the Danube, not in the Danube. Not floating tents. (laughs) Now, by this time, Maurice's brother Peter was in charge of the troops. And Peter informed them that they were not going back home for winter. Instead, they would spend months in your freezing tents. Good news, guys. (laughs) Camping. (laughs) Yes. You know how you all love your families. Well, imagine how wonderful it will be to reunite with them after another year. (laughs) It will feel extra special then. The men did not take this well. They were already not happy about not being paid enough. The reason why they'd not revolted before is because they were actually doing quite well out of this war with the Avars. Most of them had plenty of loot. Yeah. Plenty of loot that they could sell. However, you can't sell anything if you're in a field across the Danube River. No. No. They could only sell things if they went back home. There's also only so much loot that they could carry. I mean, a point where you've got a whole silverware set stuffed <laughs> down the front of your trousers. And the cold would just stick to you as well. Yeah, exactly. You've got like a dining room table on your back and... Paintings. You put up in your tent to make it look nice. But Lovely it's... China tea set. Exactly. It's taking up room. Yeah, essentially. There is only so much you can carry. Now, if you go back home and sell it all, then next campaign season you can come back and get more loot. Well, this meant that you stay out all winter, you don't go and sell your loot, and then next campaign season you've still not got home. So you can't pick up any new loot because you're already carrying your old loot. <laughs> yeah. As you can imagine, not happy. The army do what the army do best when they're not happy. Revolt. They revolt. Peter, however, brother to the emperor, firm hand on the army, loudly declared that he was leaving in a hurry and he got <laughs> out of there. Oh, you're revolting? Bye! <laughs> See ya! I'm How come he doesn't have a friendly accent? I don't, know. I don't know. He said he was born in Cappadocia. That's Turkey. Yeah. It's weird. I'm telling you, there's something going on. His dad was a politician. (laughs) So, with Peter gone, the troops elevated a centurion. And this man was known as Focus. Ooh, that sounds like... I I don't know, he sounds like really on the ball. Yeah, he's he's with it. I just... Is it F-O? No, 
P-H-O-C-U-S. See, focus. No, focus, focus. It's focus. It's funny. If, that's fine. <laughs> we'll stay with focus. We'll stay with focus. Anyway, this was a centurion named as focus. I won't say any more about him just yet. Uh, but he was going to lead them, and they start to march on the capital. <gasps> Word reaches Maurice, who attempted to maintain an air of confidence by attending the Hippodrome and watch the races. Ah, it is fine. We should watch races. It should be absolutely spectacular. Where's my guard? <laughs> get the guard. Get the guards. <laughs> Where's the army? <laughs> fortify the castle. Not a castle. <laughs> I said fortify it. I mean, for- fortify it. Unfortunately, after a few hours of watching the races, it, it dawned on him he's he's in real trouble here. <laughs> so he sends for two men, Sergius and Cosmas. I said their names dramatically as if you might know who they are, but you <gasps> <laughs> OMG. Well, these two men were the heads of the Greens and the Blues. Oh, okay, the big the big gang thing. Yeah, the Deans. So they could get people together. Well, or not. Th- oh. This is the plan. First of all, he asked how many men were currently in the Deans. Cosmas, probably with a slight smug grin on his face, hmm. announced he had 900 men willing to die under his command. Then he kind of Crushed the uh, the dust off his shoulder. Oh yeah. Yeah. Buffed up his his nails slightly. Then over to Sergius, who was looking even more smug, and stated that he had one thousand five hundred greens that would die under his command. Then just looks kind of sympathetically at poor Cosmos. <laughs> Cosmos just uh, grinding his teeth slightly. It's the quality, not the quantity. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, and we'll leave it there. Now, Maurice then set about organising the men in the Deems into garrisons so they could man the walls. It's fine. We have the Theodosian walls. Nothing gets past the Theodosian walls. That's true. As long as the Deems hold the walls, we'll be fine. So, with the Deems on the walls, Maurice tries to figure out what Focus is up to. I mean, he'd not heard anything. He'd not heard anything about him being declared emperor or anything like that. Right. After all, it wasn't the 3rd century, this... Rebellious generals were not automatically declared emperor. That was so third century. Um, (laughs) Sounds like so last century. (laughs) Exactly. However, eventually word comes through that the army were indeed seeking Maurice's removal. In his place, the army would happily see his son Theodosius, or even a family member, yet another man in the story called Germanus, but yet a different one, Mm -hmm. who happened to be Theodosius's father-in-law. Now, as it happened, Theodosius and Germanus were out of the city at this time on a hunting trip. So Maurice automatically feared the worst and assumed that they were in league with the revolt. (laughs) It was not helped when Maurice received word that his son had already been approached by the defecting army, asking him to rule. So, Maurice summoned the two men back to the capital immediately, and soon afterwards they arrived. A tearful Germanus apparently did his best to convince Maurice that he was in no way part of this plot, but Maurice was not convinced. Out loud, he wondered how exactly they had their horses still. After all, they had to come through the revolting army to get back to the capital by this point. Ooh. So how do you have all your stuff? You must be in league with them, they must have let you through. Germanus, seeing the writing on the wall at this point, took asylum in a church in the city. <laughs> you think at that point he just like legged it out the palace? Yes, that, to I, a church. That's a very good question, Maurice. That is a brilliant question. I'm just going to go and step by this window and th- ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
And he was gone. <laughs> Just hear a third a moan. <laughs> and him limping across the courtyard. Get out of my way! <laughs> yes. He flees to a church and claims asylum. However, he was very shortly found by the Emperor's troops. He realised that this poxy little church that he'd found was not going to hold off any determined guards to pull him out. But the will of God will protect him. Well, the will of God will protect him, so where's the best place to go? The advancing army. No, no, no. He, he still wants asylum. He, he's oh, just... he bishop himself? No, pope no. himself? Can he be a pope? No, he can't pope himself. He's in a small church. He wants asylum, but he wants good asylum. You don't want to stay in a small church. You want to head to <gasps> the, 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 the 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 Sophia... Yeah, the Hagia Sophia. That's the so one. at night time, he smuggles himself out of the small church and heads to the Hagia Sophia. A far safer place. If God's going to help you, it's going to be there. Look at it. It's great. It's, it's, it's the perfect place for a site. It's, it's that dome creaking. <laughs> I just there are tiles falling down. <laughs> I'm just a little bit worried. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, Maurice soon learns that Germanus had moved to the Hagia Sophia and claimed asylum and was not moved in the slightest. He ordered that his son be flogged and guards go and drag Germanus out of the church. As you can imagine, a large crowd had gathered by this point. A lot of shouting went on. Lots of people demanding he leave. Lots of people demanding the troops get away. You can't invade this sacred place. There's a lot of emotions flying about the yeah. place. Eventually, Germanus realises that he's got to come out. He can't stay in there forever. He's got to face Maurice. He steps towards the doors. He takes a deep breath. And then he heard someone shout out at the back, and I quote, Back to the shrine, Germanus! Save your life! The courage left Germanus, and he fled back into the Hagia Sophia. Nice. <laughs> not going to do it. I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. <laughs> save me, save me, save me, save me, save me. <laughs> By this point, the crowd was shouting abuse about the emperor himself. Ooh. Maurice's name happened to be similar to a word that meant impiety and folly. Ooh. So the crowd merged this word with the emperor's name in a way that crowds often do when they're chanting, and uh, started to chant it. Meanwhile, the deems who were on the walls, staring out, looking at this advancing army. It's like a scene in Lord of the Rings. Nice. But then they can hear behind them disturbances. There seems to be something going on in the city. There seems to be rioting in the city. And we know that the deems love nothing more than a damn good riot. Oh, yeah. So, they all leave their posts. It's Riot Tuesday. Exactly. If there's a riot going on, we need to be involved. <laughs> so they flee into the city to see what's going on. The Praetorian Prefect's house, who was not particularly liked, was soon burnt down. Fires were being started. Reports of people being killed begin. And in the palace, it soon became clear to Maurice that he had lost control of the situation. He and his family dressed up in civilian clothes and headed to a private boat in the palace. <laughs> but it's not on a river. How do you get out? <laughs> yeah, I can only assume Whoa. because I read this and thought, hmm. <laughs> right, everyone, into the boat. Um, Maurice. <laughs> there may be a slight flaw in your problem. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> of your life! <laughs> no, sir, no. Well, the palace did actually go right up to the uh, the water, oh, okay. so I imagine you could go down into the basements and get into the cliffs where there are nooks and crannies, yeah. and you've got a secret underground escape route nice. into the sea, I'm guessing is what this is. So, they sneak out of the city and head across the water to Nicomedia. Maurice had a plan. This wasn't blind panic. As soon as they landed, 
he sended his son Theodosius, who had obviously got over the flogging yeah. <laughs> by this point. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. He told his son to go to Persia to ask for help from Cosro II. Of course it'll help me. I put him on the throne. Just <laughs> don't be long, son. Seriously, don't be long. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, Fire. It's like four months to travel there by horse. And then back again, and I'm going to arrive, what, on my own? They're not going to believe me. <laughs> I mean, who am I? I'm just some guy. With massive scars on his back. <laughs> <laughs> However, after a couple of days, Maurice recalled his son, sent a messenger after him, told him to come back. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, apparently resigned to his fate, Maurice did not want to beg for survival. Ooh. Not long afterwards, the troops sent by Focus arrived in Chalcedon, where the family now were hiding. The family were captured and led out into the harbour. They stood there, watching the boats bob in the water. Oh, that's ominous. <laughs> Gentle creaking. Yeah. The old seagull. Maurice, by this point, by the way, has about six sons, we think. Just thought I'd tell you that now. This is going to end badly, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no! His six sons are one by one executed in front of him. Oh. Apparently... Maurice watched the scene without a sign of emotion, only saying at one point, Thou art just, Lord, and just is thy judgment. Wow. And then it was Maurice's turn. His body fell next to those of his sons. And I shall die like I was born. A Frenchman. <laughs> Fate to black. <laughs> Someone rifles through his pockets. Hang on, his driving licence says he was born in Cappadocia. And his name's Tony. <laughs> Emperor Tony. <laughs> We've been lied to. <laughs> Kick him. <laughs> Kick his corpse. Kick the head. Oh, it's gone in the water. So there you go, that's yeah. Maurice. Ups and downs. Ups and downs, yeah. The end, a bit of a down. For him, <laughs> for him anyway. Yeah, definitely. Was he everything you hoped that he'd be? I feel like we may have added a lot. <laughs> Maybe. And without those elements, it may not have been as amazing. But he did some amazing things, though. Don't be wrong. The Persia, well, brilliant. Yeah. Well, let's let's go through. Let's it, discuss that. Let's rate. Fightiest Maximus. Well, fought like a boss. Yeah, he's going to pick up some points here. He was a very successful general when he was fighting the war against Persia. Mm. I mean, before that, he'd led the excubitors, so obviously he did some kind of drilling, but probably saw little action. Yeah. But he was soon winning actual battles. Conducting real wars, yeah, guessing actual victories, and and he fought them himself. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. He personally sacked cities, captured fortresses, attacked Persian troops. He did all of that fighty stuff. And that hasn't happened for a long, no, it really long, hasn't. Long, long, long time. No, and then when he became the emperor, he led his country to victory. The outcome of the war being far better than anyone could have hoped for. Yeah. Definitely. Or to be fair, it was due to other circumstances. Yes, that <clears> is true. So maybe those points perhaps should go in successors ultimus rather than fighters maximus. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard one to judge that. But yes, uh, but still, there was also a large part where he was conducting the... Negotiations. Well, no, the the, the, the fighting, the, the armies. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was Sorry. in charge of the armies. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and then after that, after the Persian War was done with, he turned west. Yeah. And secured the Danube region. Yeah, he did. Which is very, very impressive. The Avars and the Slavs were fought back, fought in their own land, and defeated. 
And when he didn't have the troops to do that, he was actually fighting with guerrilla tactics. So he knew how to change up his strategy. And the fact you can train guerrillas. It's impressive. It is impressive. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they didn't even know they existed. Couldn't sign language, so they couldn't ask for bananas. <laughs> yeah. So Just had to know what they wanted. Yeah, exactly. Before they break your arm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all that. Mm. But then there's a cherry on the cake and a bit of icing. Because he wrote a book on warfare. Ooh, like yes. Sun Tzu. Yes, exactly. In wow. fact, comparisons have been made. Some people make the comparison anyway. This book is called The Strategicon, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That'll do. Uh, that'll do. If he didn't write it himself, he commissioned it, but it's certainly um, credited to him. Hmm. And it's essentially a handbook for generals. It comprised of 12 chapters, and each chapter covered a different way of doing things, how to lead your armies. So it would cover things like tactics, formations, how to create supply chains, how to drill your troops, how to march in time, etc, etc. <laughs> Just count one, two. One, two, one, two, one, two. Sometimes you might want to three. Resist the urge, go back to one. Yes. Yeah. If you do accidentally say three, say four afterwards and start again. One chapter's just called Surprise Attacks, which nice. I hope is a fun chapter at the end. <laughs> <laughs> In this edition, do you think that is uh, like one chapter saying you no know, things you shouldn't do? Don't take away your army supplies. Yeah. Don't reduce their pay. Don't reduce their resources because they may revolt. Trust me on this. I've learned from experience. And that's which is already written in crayon or something. Yeah. <laughs> Got to go now. It's my turn. <laughs> One historian has said about the Strategicon, and I quote here, Not well until the 19th century were military manuals of such excellence produced in Western Europe. Ooh, uh, th this book copy. guides the armies of the Romans for the next few hundred years. Oh, really? So it's... It has lasting impact. That's quite big. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, perhaps, again, this should be in Successus Ultimus, because it's not him fighting, it's more... Uh, but I don't know. I th I'm, I'm tempted to put some points in this round no, for think, it. Yeah, I think he needs it. Because it's a, a fighty type thing, isn't it? Okay, bad, however. It was a Persian civil war that ended the Persian war, not because of his strategy or, or fighting. Although he did choose the right side in that civil war. Yeah, he used his strategy and negotiating to level that out. Because he could have made the wrong mistake and it could have got worse. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to give him credit. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it's pretty good. We've not seen this good for a while. No, and he, you know, he, he stopped the war with Persia. He got the Danube region back. He, he, he secured Italy a bit more. Yeah. Not hundred percent, but it's it's more. Yeah. Yeah. I give him a nine. Oh, I'm not gonna go that high. I am. Oh yeah. I'm only gonna give him an eight. I think. I was thinking seven for general stuff and a bonus point for the book. Uh, I'm okay. Impressed. Fair enough. That is a mightily impressive. 17, which is what in French? 17. Exactly. Yeah. Next round. Aprovium Crazium. He starts to struggle here. Hmm. There's really not much. Um, he was obsessed with building up his hometown of Arabissus. In southern France. <laughs> yes. That's where he'd send the workmen in a nice loud voice. <laughs> and then as they left, he'd quickly hand them a note with a map, actually go here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, many emperors before have tried to build up their own town a bit because it's obviously not... it where, it's where you come from. You want to see it do well. Yeah, you want However, he poured a lot of money into this and 
He did not put money anywhere else because he claimed to be broke all the time. So it's more of an irresponsible amount of money. Yeah, especially when an earthquake struck near the end of the building process. So he just ordered they start again. Oh, if you were the architect in that, you'd be so annoyed. Or the stonemason. So annoyed. But then, after a couple of days, like always happens, you know, when you you lose some work that you've been working on Mm. and you're forced to redo it. And eventually you get to the point where you go, actually, this version's better. Yeah. So I've learned from the mistakes before. I was annoyed to begin with. Yeah. But now my uh, so my this... sandcastle's looking pretty good. Yeah. This time, no cracks in the side. Yeah, exactly. Seal those bad boys up. Yeah. So, um, so there's that. That's not big, no. is it? Um, okay, next. I'm scraping the barrel here. Uh, he <laughs> did love a bit of the old nepotism. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Family members were promoted to many positions regardless of their abilities. He just put his family in places including his brother Peter, who really wasn't cut out for ruling no. that army. So, um, yeah, that's not great. Uh, he flogged his own son at the end. <laughs> but he thought he's, you know, betraying him, so cause you can sort of understand the reasoning. If he honestly thought his son was betraying him, why did he then trust him to go to Persia afterwards? He was desperate, though, wasn't he? I don't know, I, don't, I, I see that as more of a, just a, a punishment or a, or a message for the people. Yeah. He probably didn't realise at the time how severe his situation was until he was at the, the palace and went, oh my goodness, right, son, you know how I flogged you. <laughs> it's funny that, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, do me a favour. Yeah, I, I think it's worth a point, that one. It's not big, yeah. but maybe worth a point. Um, there's not much there. No. I'm only going to go for two. I'm giving one. Fair enough. That is a three for a premium crazy. Success ultimus. Okay, he started his reign in a terrible position. He did, yeah. There was trouble in Italy and Africa. The Danube was being overrun. The Persian War was in full swing. But by the end of his rule, his political reforms had secured Africa and Italy. He had secured the Danube militarily, and he had won the war with Persia using military and political tricks. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. I He also uh, is financially responsible throughout his reign. Although, possibly because he's forced to be, because there's no money. Almost to his detriment. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. You're right. It is to his detriment, ultimately. But Which isn't his fault. He's doing what he needed to do. Yeah, exactly. To keep the empire running. He doesn't find piles of money under tiles. <laughs> so He's got the bigger picture view. The soldiers have got the view of, this is my money, I want it now. Yeah, he does what he's forced to do. But there is no doubt that this empire is better now than it was at the start of his reign. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. However, he did open up a fight with the Western Church when there didn't need to be one. That's true. Quite easily could have just said to John, come on now. You need to be good to yourself occasionally, but you don't need a new title. Yeah, especially one that grandiose. Yeah. Go and have a spa weekend. <laughs> okay? How about John the alright? <laughs> John the not bad. Exactly. John the, when he puts his mind to it, does alright. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, and, and this schism grows and grows. So that's not great. He was also deposed in the first military coup in Constantinople's history, Ooh. which is quite a big statement to say. But we've not had a military coup in Constantinople since its founding with oh, Constantine. Yeah, so he's like the uh, uh, Caligula. The Nero. The Nero, yes. Yes. Yes, you could say that. Well, you see, I say this because I've seen it read several places, and I thought to myself, is this true? Is this the first coup in the East? I went back and I looked. You could surely argue that Constantius II killing his cousin, who had been given Constantinople by Constantine the Great, 
was a coup. Yeah. But he didn't rock up with his armies. It was more of a, a stabby-stabby-in-the-dark kind of coup. Yeah, this is always expected, isn't it, of emperors? Yeah. Equally, Julian took the throne off Constantius II. Although Constantius II, at the end, suddenly switched, went, no, you can have it, actually, I'm dying, so maybe you can't count that. Jovian, he was obviously killed. That wasn't natural causes. And he was replaced by Valentinian. So that was coup. Yeah. But it didn't take place in Constantinople, the city, so... So, I don't know, there were a few debatable. It's just needed to say that this one's the uh, the first military coup. So let's say it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's not great, is it? You got pigeoned. Pigeoned big style. Big time styly. It's embarrassing. A little bit. I'm not sure that's what he thought as he heard the, the sword swishing through the air to slice his head for his mm-hmm. neck. First child, third, dung, dung. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Oh, I could kill myself right now. <laughs> for God, I'll do that for you, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> Second son. Oh, I cannot believe this. What if somebody sees? What will the neighbours think? <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Go on, then. Success as ultimate. I think he's quite successful, to be honest, considering what he started with and what he tried to do and the successes he had, um, although the ending was pretty abysmal. Oh, I didn't stress, yes, it's a military coup. It was also one entirely of his own making that well, didn't need to happen. But he, he did it for what he thought was right. He was trying to save money. He was thinking of the empire. I need to save money. Yeah. This is perhaps the only way I can do it. I mean, I could tax myself, you know. I suppose it wasn't him being ridiculous. No, he's, he's trying to be sensible. Yeah, okay. Go on, then, what are you thinking? Seven or eight. I can't decide. And you won't let me have decimals. Well, how about I go for a seven, you go for an eight? There we go. There we go. There's a 15 for successors Ultimus. Image of Go on, then. Now's your chance to draw a stereotypical French cat. Yes! Yes! <laughs> okay. Um, eyebrow. Kind of uh kind of way. We do have a few listeners who are in France. Or at least we get some downloads from them. I'm sorry <laughs> for this whole episode. Yeah, he's grinning. He's got a French moustache. I'm going to call it a French moustache. He's got a beret. Of course, there are onions. And of course, it's a stripy T-shirt. And of course, it's a baguette under his arm. Oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just assuming you're about to draw one. Yep, there it is. Looks a bit like Dick Dastardly. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, okay. Apparently, that's not what he looked like. Apparently, he looked like that. Oh, it's very... Ooh, it's portions a bit off. <laughs> it's not a great coin, is it? <laughs> he looks... Ooh. He's got a very... Um, I was going to when you sort of your lower chin goes in a bit and your lip sort of sinks in. Overbite. It's got an overbite. <laughs> Massive lips. Yeah, he looks very worried. Yeah, wait, that's that's him looking out the window, seeing all those people heading towards him, looking very angry. Yeah. Okay, reversible coin. Let's see if you can pick up bonus points for interesting reverse. Yeah, it's a sort of alien Ant-Man face. It looks like a rock with a, a cross in it. Yeah. Christianity. Are they birds on the shoulders? They're the Avars, representing the Avars there. Like yes, things I think perched. they must be Avars on his shoulders. That's a croissant in his right hand. It looks like some keys. Maybe it's a croissant. Oh, it's definitely a croissant. And, yeah. and it looks like it's, he's... It's nothing new on his reverse. No. I can't give him bonus points for that, really. He looks really pathetic. He looks... He, he, it's not great, is it? I'm not giving him much for this. I'm only going to give him two because I quite like what he's wearing. He's got a nice little bow on the side of his, his tunic there. So I'm going to give him a couple of points for that. Really? Yeah. I looks absolutely pathetic. Go on, what are you going to give him? Um, one. Okay, that is three divided by four, which gives him a score of 0. 0.75. Temple completed. So how long does he last? I think it's, it's going to be a good few years. Um, ten years. Nope. 
Okay, one year. <laughs> Two years, three years, four years, five Think years. Think bigger than 10. Big, really? Oh, yeah. 12. No. 85. No, I think smaller. 15. 16. 17. He ruled from <laughs> 582 to 602. Oh, 20, 20 years. 20 years. And yes, we're in the 7th century. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're in a brand new century now. So. I still thought we're in the, the 5th century. No. no. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it gets through them quite quickly after a very slow period in the West. Mm. The East, you get through it quite quickly with the emperors because there's been some decent late rules recently. Yeah. Including this one. It's an impressive 20 years, which gives him a score of 2.5 in this round, which gives him a score of 38.25. Nice. Very nice. That puts him in second place <gasps> for this series. Wow. Only Justinian's beating him. Anastasius was close, so he's a couple of points behind. So mm. well done. Almost in the 40s club. Yeah. Not bad at all, Maurice. No. But does he deserve it? Do they have a certain César? Yes. Right. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm playing on the French thing that's technically not true. <laughs> but I feel that he was very successful with his fighting. Yeah. He tried his hardest for the Empire. It's, it's the most secure it's been. <laughs> Even, I say it's more secure than Justinian. I said he... I think he did more than Justinian. I think he's better than Justinian the Great. That's how good I think he is. I think it should be um, Maurice the Great. That's my view. Impassioned, I can tell. Damn straight. Yeah. I like the fact that that started quite calmly as an explanation of your thoughts <laughs> and soon descended into a rant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. If you took away the French thing, would you remember him? Yes, because he, he, he stabilised the empire to a point. He fought back the Avars, which is... He stopped the wars been going on for years. The Persians. But is this Genet César worthy? Or is it just something that happens? Which, yeah, it's great, but... Name someone else who's done it that successfully. Where you've managed to coup where the, the, the king owes you a favour. But that that was I, any, that would have happened to anyone in that situation. They could have played the wrong card. They could have um, backed... What's his face? <laughs> Baram. Baram. Yeah. And it would have gone all, all So what you're saying is uh, it's a 50-50 chance then. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like a coin toss. <laughs> Almost. Which may be where we're heading, because I'm not That's sure I can give Maurice... Hey, don't get me wrong, he was good. He's worthy of his points that he's got. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he scored so highly, but I don't think he stands out particularly. Well, let's see what happens, shall we? It's been a while since we've done this. I honestly yeah, can't is. remember the last time we went to the coin. Let's do it. Here we go. Maurice, does he deserve it? See, it has been a while. We always asked Jupiter before. I think this is the first Christian emperor we've asked it for. But I'm sure Jupiter can still make his decision. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he's yeah. Okay, Jupiter, keep your bias out of it. Does Maurice deserve Genesis? César? Ooh. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Yes, he does. He's got it. He is a Genesis César winner on the coin toss. Oh, yeah. Wow, to Maurice. <sighs> I can guess some new ones. <laughs> I was just thinking, these are holding up remarkably well. Yeah. Since they're a couple of years old now and they're just yeah. made of cardboard. We've lost uh, quite a few of them, though. Oh, have we? Have you, yeah. have you got more than two? Well, I had a pack of about 20 at one point, but oh, right, we sort okay. of blew them to death. Oh, okay. Right, well, there we go. Well done, Maurice. You're now I'm doing pretty well, actually. That's a good score and a genesis. Uh, but next time, who's it going to be? Focus. We had remembered Germanus in the Hagia Sophia. Oh, yeah. 
And we had focus outside the walls. But he's got the army. Yeah. But Germanus has the crowd. Oh. Oh, you're not giving anything away, are you? No. I mean, you could just look it up, but... I don't do it. Don't ruin it. You know me, Rob. I don't, don't ruin it. I mean, you'll be saying the name at the start of the episode, but, well, you'll hear Sound Guy do it. You just yeah. have to close your ears while Sound Guy okay. does it. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Okay, but if you're listening, you probably know who it is next, and if you don't, you can always look it up, and that will be next time. On Totalus Rankium. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but don't bother. We've also got a website that's uh, currently updated, yeah. and you can download us from Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please do. Yes, and please leave reviews on iTunes. It's really handy. If you're in America, if you leave a review, you might be our 100th five-star <gasps> review if you do that. I noticed Ooh. that the other day. We've got quite a lot. If you're in England, if you leave, like, 75 reviews, you'll be our 100th five-star yeah. review. <laughs> and if you're in any other country, I have no idea. That's okay. Quite a lot. Okay. Uh, but thank you for all of you who do leave reviews. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next time. And all that needs to be said is... Sacre bleu! Au revoir. Au revoir. Smith. The chaps and I, we've been having a chinwag. Yes. And, um, I don't want you to say no straight away. Why? I want you to hear us out. What have you got? Well, You've not got more plumage, have you? I thought you could never have enough plumage, sir. That reminds me, we have to hire more fluffers. Yes, our feathers must look in tip-top condition. No, no, not about the feathers, sir, or the recent deaths by falling. What is it, man? Spit it out. It's about the envoy, sir. The envoy? The envoy, sir. But he's an absolute tit. Hey, no, we're quite jealous. Quite fascinating creatures. We really need some more blues and greys. Anyway, no, no, his name's Jeffy Anus, and, uh, well, he said we could have an elephant, sir. What, what, what? Yeah, an elephant, sir. An elephant? What's the Avars need of an elephant? Well, I, again, don't, don't say no straight away. The lads and I, uh, having a chat, we'd, well, we'd really rather like to keep it, sir. Why do you need an elephant? Well, Geraldine's just sort of started to fit in. G- Geraldine? Sebastian said she reminded him of his mother. But who's going to feed this Geraldine? Well, we could have a whip round. I how much can they eat? It's an elephant. A lot. Well, just think how useful it would be, sir. How? Well, um, in war, sir. It's a war elephant. Came from Persia, don't you know? Well, not cowards, Private. We won't use elephants to fight. Uh, well, not not to fight, just to inspire confidence in the men, sir. We have confidence with our plumage. Besides, who's going to clean it out? We'll I, I, take shifts, sir. We'll definitely clean it out. Do you remember what happened to Otto, the camel? Well, Otto was different. He kept spitting in our faces, sir. We we had words. You had words? You got bored is what happened. He was all in novelty in the first two weeks. You couldn't be bothered to clean him out. Couldn't be bothered to take him for a walk. So he started spitting on you. Alas, it could be true, sir. I'm ashamed to admit it. We did not see eye to eye. Uh, but it's not true, Geraldine. Why? Far taller. Nope, there is absolutely nothing you can say that's going to convince me that we should have an elephant. Good day.
But sir, sir, one, one last thing. If you come, come and see Geraldine just for a second. Oh. Look, look, can you see her? What? Uh, yes. Well, she's quite magnificent. Yes. Well, have you noticed her wings, sir? Her, she has wings. Oh yes, sir. Let, lads, flap the it, the wings. Flap the wings. Good God, they're magnificent. Imagine swooping into battle, sir. You have my permission. By Geraldine. Ah, my wife. Do you have any French in you? No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not go there. Right, okay. Do you want some? <laughs>